Good morning. Elder Tony, thank you so much for your prayers for this morning's message. And um, I'm just going to give a brief word of prayer one more time. Um, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this time. We've worshipped you this morning, Lord, in, in song. We've worshipped you in giving. And now we worship you as we go into your word. And Lord, I pray that this time that I might decrease so that you might increase. So, Lord, would you speak through me this morning? I pray that um, you would really speak to our hearts and minds, prepare our hearts and minds to receive the message from you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, brothers and sisters, this morning I've, I've titled this message, Where Have All Our Idols Gone? And this message has actually been on my heart since the beginning of this crisis of COVID-19. Uh, one of the things that, that you guys may or may not know about me is I am a, a huge sports enthusiast. And so uh, I was looking forward to uh, March Madness. And all of a sudden, when things fell apart in our society, um, NBA closed down. They were the first to close. Um, and then college sports closed down. And so all these different things and baseball, you know, I was looking forward to baseball season. All those things were gone. And, and it just the first week when we gathered together, we couldn't gather as a church um, and we gathered together for prayer. It just, the Lord just revealed to me, I've removed all the distraction. I've removed all the idols. And so I'm going to name some of these things off for you. And um, I'm also going to talk about what an idol is. So because many of us might not understand what's an idol. And so in, in the Bible, in Exodus 20, God talks about idols. And he, he, he says two, there are two particular things that he talks about idols. One, he says, you shall have no other gods before me. And then secondly, he talks about not making any graven, graven images. And those images were in the shape of a, of a person or a deity, something that, that they would worship. And, and, and God doesn't want, he, he says in that scripture, I'm a jealous God. I don't want anything else worship but me. And so the things I'm going to list um, for you are, are really normal things, but they can become idols. And I'll explain them in a, money, in a, in a, in a moment. So uh, money. These are all things that God has, has changed. Financial prosperity, jobs, economic power, celebrities, sports figures, sports, leisure and pleasure, and then health and long life. These are all things that, that are, are good in themselves. There's nothing wrong with these things, but they can become idols for us. When we run after these things, when we put our trust in them, Instead of God, they become idols for us. When we are prideful and self-sufficient, and we are a prideful nation, uh, and we become self-sufficient, and we don't acknowledge God as the giver of all these things, they become idols for us. When we spend the majority of our time focused on these things, rather than on God, and God gets pushed to the side, they become idols for us. And that's when we get in trouble. And in other words... That list that I've, 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 these things should not be competing with God. And God has removed them and set them aside overnight. And I don't know about you, but I'm amazed when I look at what God's done. In not just in the United States, in the entire world. Um, it's gone. You don't see sports. None of that stuff is happening. Our financial prosperity, um, it's gone. Your 401k, it's gone. I, I, I remember... Recently, uh, just before this happened, we had a mission team that was at our church. They actually, from New York, New York, 
They came from a, a, a college, um, like Truman College, a junior college, and they sacrificed their spring break to come and minister in Chicago. And I remember meeting with them before the Monday night meal. They served at our Monday night meal. And I was sharing with them about Uptown and the changes that our community had been through. And I changed, I was talking about the gentrification of the community. And I talked to them that it had gentrified before, but then 2008, the crash happened in 2008. And uh, it kind of set things back. But I said to them at, the, at that meeting, uh, this is the first week in March, I said, I don't see that happening again. I, I said, you know, they asked for how can we pray for your church? I said, well, you can pray that we can reach the up and outs um, more, even more than down outs. Because I said, our neighborhood is gentrified. And it's going to completely gentrify. I don't see anything changing that. Little more, little did I know, in two weeks' time, the stock market would go from its highest level, 29.5, and drop down to 20. 34, 40% losses for everybody if not more, uh, God, God just, <laughs> he, he, he answered what I was saying. And he said, you're wrong on that. I can change it in a heartbeat. And, and many people, many of you that even listen to this message, um, I know some of you, I said, you're not even looking at your retirement because it's gone. You know, so God really can change things in a hurry. And he has. And, and, and I want you to know, as I said, these things are not bad in themselves, but what it is is when you fall in love with those things. For instance, money, God says, he didn't say that money's bad. He says, the love of money is the root of all evil. And that's, that's, that's in uh, 1 Timothy 6.10. And so God has removed all these idols all at once. Sunday Buonhat is a pastor over out on the south side. I think believe, believe it's in Woodlawn. Now, he, he first came to our church in the early 90s. And when he first came here, he was in our men's group. And I remember meeting him and talking to him. And I asked him why, what it brought him to the United States. And he said, you know, I'm so thankful for the United States. You guys sent missionaries to Nigeria. You're part of the reason that I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. And, um, and he said, you know, we, we have on-fire believers in, in Nigeria. He says, but the reason I'm here is, we have been sending people to the United States. And when they come to the United States, they lose their fire. They lose their direction. They lose their walk with the Lord. And he said, they have sent me, or you guys had sent missionaries to us, they have sent me as a missionary to America to minister to my people, to get them back on track and, and get them refocused on the Lord. And I just talked to Sunday just the other week, just as I was thinking about this message, and I talked to, we talked again about those idols, and he said, you know, those idols haven't changed for our people. He says, it's all about the American dream for them. They come here, and they're chasing after the American dream, and they sacrifice their family. They sacrifice their health. They sacrifice everything so that they can have the American dream. And so that, 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 is, that is the issue that's at hand, it's going after idols. And so his whole ministry really is based on bringing people back to the Lord. And so what is God communicating through us, to us through this crisis? Well, one thing he's communicating clearly is that there is one true God and we need to acknowledge him. And he's saying, come back to your first love. Come back to me. He's saying our love and our worship should be focused on that one true God, praying, trusting, and obeying him and allowing him to be the leader of our lives. You've heard of Gary Chapman's book, um, the five love languages. Do you know what God's love language is? 
It's obedience. It's obedience. So I want us to pray now um, just a prayer of repentance. And we've prayed this prayer before, but I want to mention it uh, for a passage that we don't usually, the verse that we don't usually mention. It's 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles um, 7. But I want to start with verse 13 as it speaks a little bit about what God's doing right now. So I'm going to go there. Just give me a second here. Second Chronicles 7. And we're going to read verses 13 and 14, and then I'm going to pray for us. Verse 13 reads, When I shut up the heavens so there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and seek and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Let's pray. Lord, we don't know if you brought the plague or you allowed the plague to be sent by our enemy, but you, we know that you're not surprised by the COVID-19 pandemic. And we know that you are at work even in the midst of this, this, uh, this virus. Lord, we come to you and we, Lord, we, we, just, we just say we're sorry. Sorry for being so off track that you had to shake us up. That we've been chasing after money, chasing after financial prosperity, focused on being self-sufficient, prideful as a nation. Where I heard one of our leaders even say, we will heal our land. And Lord, that is not true. We can't heal our land. Only you can heal our land. And so Lord, we just humble ourselves before you. And Lord, we pray for our nation. And we pray, Lord, that we would come back to you. We pray in this season, Lord, that you would reap a great harvest, that many people would come back to you. Many people would cry out to you and find you in this season and lord we pray for mercy we pray that you would give us a solution to this virus and then lord we pray that we would draw near to you so that you can draw near to us and so lord we just pray your healing on our nation and we seek your face and lord we say we're turning from our wicked ways and we're turning to you please forgive our sin please heal our land and lord we give you the glory we pray this in jesus name amen Psalm 11:3 through 4 talks about when the foundations of the world are shaken or they collapse. And it says, what are the righteous to do? Well, the righteous are to remember that God is still in control. We need to remember that your power is not diminished, that nothing happens without your, your, your knowledge or your permission. You're not surprised by this pandemic. We need to know that. And so instead of running away from God, we need to run to God and recognize that He will restore all things in His time. I'm going to turn now to the book of Luke. If we can turn to Luke chapter 13. And we're going to focus on verses 1 to 5. And it's an interesting passage. It really is. This is Jesus speaking. And they're asking Him, question and he doesn't answer their question he really he, he really challenges their question in a, in a different way and here's what here's the here's the passage here's what he says 
It says, Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Jesus asked a rhetorical question because he knew many people at that time thought that tragedies and physical ailments were due to someone's personal sin and their family. But his answer was no. It denies that, that connection in this case. And there's another passage that I want to turn to that, that speaks directly to this. And his disciples fell into this as well. And this is from the book of John, John chapter 9. And I want to just read that passage for you because it's, it's an amazing passage. And his disciples asked the same question in, in a different way. And it says, As he went along, he saw a man, speaking of Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with, his, with the saliva, put it on the man's eyes and said, Go. And he told him, Wash in a pool of Siloam, that which mean, the word, this word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. And his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then are your eyes open? He replied, The man they call Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes, and he told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed it, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked. I don't know, he said. So we see an example here where Jesus said, Neither the man said, nor his parents. This was done so that God might be glorified in this situation. And so we need to know that it's not always when these things happen. It's not always somebody's fault. And that's what the hardest thing with this virus, isn't it? The righteous and the unrighteous are both dying in the midst of this situation. And that's why it's so hard to deal with. And yet Jesus, who has compassion and love for those who suffer, he draws a bigger picture here. And that scripture in, in Luke. He refocuses them in us on eternity. And he says, salvation is the most important thing. Our salvation. That's why he said, you, you, you need to repent. And the reality, the reality is we're all going to die. The question is, are we going to die without Christ? And that's the most important thing to God, even today in this crisis, is people coming to Christ, coming to Him in the midst of that. And so the important thing for you and me to do is to repent. That is turning from our sin, our pridefulness, our self-sufficiency, and turning to faith in Him, inviting Jesus into our hearts, trusting Him as our Lord and Savior. And the important thing is to repent because final judgment is coming. We don't know when that is, 
Maybe the birth pains of that even right now. But we know that that's coming. And so my prayer is for God to bring many to faith through COVID-19 crisis. And I pray that we be praying that as a church. Our memory verse last month really was a prophetic verse. Uh, it was Matthew 9, 37 to 37. And it talked about that the, the harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. And I asked the Lord to send workers in the harvest. You and I are those workers. So I want to challenge you. You see, get to work. Make those calls. Call those people that you know that are in anxiety, that are hurting, um, and encourage them and lead them to Christ. And uh, may God use us. I want to also talk about, just very briefly, but I've been talking to you, you each week as we talk during our prayer time about what are some positive things that God has been doing through COVID-19. I want to share just a few of those things. Elder Doug uh, often sends out emails. He sent out an email after Easter and said, According to Newsweek, more people attended Easter services than ever before, including that 18 to 34-year-old group that doesn't come to church. Everybody was, was and they, they could tell because they were all, all, were all online. And so um, that was amazing. Uh, one of the other members here, Bible sales jumped 72%. And they said they believe the sales jumped occurred because people are looking for hope and restoration amid this time of crisis. He said, we believe people are buying Bibles because there's a longing to connect with God, find meaning, and experience His peace. And then one of them shared, this is a reminder that, the Bible is a reminder that God doesn't leave us to ourselves to walk through difficult times alone. So that's, that's some of the things. Um, some of the things personally that we're doing as a church is we are praying more now than we've ever prayed. When I think about Wednesday night prayer and trying to get people to come out to Wednesday night, we have 15 to 20 people praying with us every night of, of the week. We're reading His Word more. We're ministering to one another. We're reaching out to people in need. Another thing we're doing, this is a difficult thing to talk about, but we need to talk about it, is we're thinking about death and eternity. This pandemic is causing us to examine our own mortality. We in the United States, we don't really like to talk about death and dying. In other nations, they have to face it daily. It's in their face, and now it's in our face, our mortality. We, we can't take long life for granted. And it's causing us, as we examine our mortality, to examine our lives. It's given us the opportunity in this season to get our priorities in order. In order, in order to turn to God and to live for Him. We're loving. Another thing we're doing is we're loving and appreciating our families more. Right? God's put our families together. Like it or not, you're together. And our kids, our senior saints, um, these are people many times in our busyness that are taken for granted. And now our focus and our people, they're our people that we're trying to protect from death. Another thing that's happening is this massive loss of life is bringing out the humanity in us. These financial losses are bringing home the reality that we too can be homeless without a job, without retirement. People are even on a positive end coming out of retirement to serve. I'm going to share a brief note from one of our, one of our members. It's actually a brother that's a believer, he's, he's, he's my financial guy, uh, does my health insurance for the church, Michael Bixler, but he shared this with me, and it's just some things that he noticed. He said, 
This is the first time our country has gone through a pandemic like this, but what I've seen from so many is the way people are concerned about their neighbors, how so many people in the hospitals, emergency, and those that are needed to be taken care of have done, done that with brave, strong people. I've enjoyed that giving has transpired. I've enjoyed people helping people. And he says, I hurt for those families that have lost loved ones, but I'm so proud to experience so many neighbors helping neighbors. It's overwhelming, and this is a part of sharing our faith. I thought that was a great testimony. So as I close, I want us to pray. I want us to pray for spiritual revival in the church. And when I say that in the church, not just Uptown Baptist Church, the Big C Church, in God's church. I want to pray for revival, for God to bring. I also want to pray for us for a great awakening in our country and world. We have been praying as a church for revival for a long time. I don't know if this is how God brings about revival. Well, many times he does bring about revival and, and painful things happen before revival happens. I want to pray that he brings that great awakening to our nation and our world. I want to pray that churches would be flooded with people when this pandemic ends and that God would bring the pandemic to an end soon. And then lastly, that God would, uh, his spirit would fall afresh on us and for God to soften the hearts of people's, soften people's hearts so that they would know that God is for us. Lastly, I want us to pray that our love and our worship is focused on the one true God, praying, trusting, and obeying Him, allowing Him to be the leader of our lives. With that, I'm going to have Noel share a video, and then I'm going to close us in prayer. God said there's coming a day when I'm going to shake the world but some things will not be shaken. Some things remain. In other words, there's coming a time when the world will be pressed and there'll be no way out. Those times come in your life, in your home. Tension, friction, financial trouble. You're pressed and there doesn't seem to be a way out there is an answer. There is a way. Jesus said, I am the way. But in the midst of all this changing, there are some things that never change. Think of it a moment. What never changes? The nature of God doesn't change. God hasn't changed. He hasn't changed to adapt himself to our generation. God is unchanging. I am the Lord God, I change not. God is unchanging in His holiness. We're all guilty of coming short of God's holy requirements. And we're all sinners and we're all in need of the grace and mercy of God. And that's why the Lord Jesus came and died on the cross. He died for your sins. He died for mine. And God took your sins and laid them on Christ. God changes not in his holiness and let me tell you because he is our holy god he is also unchanging in his judgment there is a judgment day coming our god is a consuming fire the bible is filled with stories of judgment our lord talked more about hell than he did heaven there is a day of judgment coming god is a holy god and you and i are going to stand there 
I'm not going to ask for justice. I'm going to ask for mercy. I need mercy. I need the grace of God. I need the forgiveness of God. And I want to tell you a wonderful thing. God loves you and he offers you tonight forgiveness and he offers you mercy. God can forgive every sin you've ever committed. God can wipe the slate clean because of Christ. Not because you deserve it. For by grace are ye saved through faith in that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't buy your way to heaven. God is unchanging. He's unchanging in his love. God loves you. That's the most wonderful thing to go to bed with at night, to know that God loves me. God forgives me. God is interested in me. But I must receive him. Secondly, the word of God does not change. The grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. I settled that a long time ago. There are a lot of things in this Bible I don't understand. There are questions you could ask me that I cannot answer. I don't know all the answers in this book. How can a finite mind like mine comprehend the infinite? I cannot. So one day I opened the Bible and I said, Oh Lord, I accept this as your word by faith. And that settled it from that moment on. When I quote the scriptures, I know that I'm quoting the word of God. It's a living word. And lastly, the way of salvation has not changed. All these centuries, the way to the kingdom of God is exactly the same. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. He will never change. But you must change. Well, thank you for that, that powerful video. I pray it. It touches the hearts of, of, of you people. Billy Graham, I, I, I couldn't say it any better than what he just said in that video. So I want us to close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you. You have truly shaken our world. Lord, I pray that you've got our attention. Lord, I pray that in this crisis that we would make the most of it, that we would focus, refocus on you, on our time with you, time in the word, our time in prayer. Grow us, Lord. Grow us as followers of Christ. And then, Lord, I pray that many people that do not know you might find you in this season, that you might use us to lead people to you. So, Lord, use us. Even in this difficult time, use us in new and different ways. And Lord, we look forward to when you'll bring us together corporately again. We give you the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.